We walk by faith, not by sight. And I think walking by faith, we need to understand that it's not the amount of our faith, it's what we put our faith in. Uh, years ago, I took my wife to Royal Gorge, and you know, they built a bridge across there now, where you can walk across that. My wife was terrified. I mean, that bridge, you could hold a tank, you could hold a tank. And I had to almost coax her, push her across the bridge, but she made it across the bridge. The same week we did that, there was a man called Evil Knievel. Evil Knievel had a motorcycle, and he was pretty sure. He had, he had great faith in his motorcycle that he get across the Snake River up in uh, Idaho. Well, his great faith in his motorcycle didn't prove out so well. But, but Beverly's little bitty teensy faith in that bridge worked well. And it's an always an encouragement to me that it doesn't matter how much faith I have, as long as I use that faith to put that in the right location. We walk by faith, not by sight. Walking by faith is made easier as we learn more and more about our Savior. How deep is your knowledge of God? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. This is the second of three podcasts featuring Dr. Richard Spann, who shared with us at our men's retreat in April 2023. Today, Richard reminds us of the importance of a team in our walk with the Lord, as well as some thoughts on waiting on God, walking with God, listening to God, and resting in God. For a number of years, I'd kind of... um been kind of, although I attended church, I really didn't have any person or group of people that I was around to really uh, bring me ideas, resources, encouragement, prayer support. And after I was invited to uh, the Memorize the Word, met Jim Morris, I became a part of a, a navigator team. There's a group of individuals that meet regularly for prayer support, for encouragement, for uh, guidance, direction, for accountability. And I've been a part of a team like that for nearly 50 years. And it's, a, it's an invaluable part of what Christ is ministering to me. Christ wants me to know that my life is not lived alone. It's lived with people, like-minded people. And I think that I have understood that unless I have a group of like-minded people like that, I'm never really going to be able to, to, over a period of time, make a difference in the lives of others. He wanted me to know that. The second item I want to look at is God directs us in our search to know Him. And about 30 years ago, I uh, was was looking at the Scriptures, and I said, well, Lord, what? how can I get to know You? What are some key things that I began to look at? So I began to make a list of those that I would like to know and understand more about. And this is the list I made, the fear of God, waiting on God, walking with God, listening to God, and resting in God. Now, you can kind of make any list you want or look at certain ways in which you can draw near to God, but this is the the list I chose. And uh, I pray through these nearly every day. Uh, There are verses that I use to help me understand these, and I ask that I would grow daily in the fear of God, waiting on God, walking, listening, and resting in Him. Those are the ones I've chosen to really draw me nearer in my search to Him. We'll look at the fear of God. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. Uh, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord heeded and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before Him of those who feared the Lord and thought on His name. 
So that's one of the verses that the Lord had had uh, had used in my life. Proverbs one two one through five talks about crying aloud for understanding. You understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And I took that literally at one point, and I thought, well, where is a safe place that I can cry aloud? <laughs> Otherwise, they'll lock me up. And I found one. If I could drive your car out there by Sims Park and park in a little exercise area, you can walk down a little road, take you to 13th Street, cross the bridge, back on Amadon, cross another bridge, and back. That's a safe place to cry aloud. So that's where I did that with the Lord back in those days. I no longer walk down there. But I think it's a heart that really seeks Him and fears Him. Uh, we, we see that the fear of God is a number of things. Deuteronomy 6.13 says, Fear the Lord, serve Him only, take your oaths in His name. So to fear Him is to serve Him. Uh, Psalm 147.11 The Lord delights in those who fear Him and put their hope in His unfailing love. So to fear Him is to put your hope in His unfailing love. Um, Psalm thirty-one, nineteen: How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow on those who take refuge in you. Proverbs eight, thirteen: The fear of the Lord is to shun evil. So we see that the fear of the Lord is comprehensive. It turned it's a matter of trust, a matter of a shunning evil, a matter of really seeking Him. Now, the Bible uses fear in two different words. This fear that I'm talking about here is an awe, a respect, a uh, worship. There is another fear, uh, a fearful or afraid, that is a different word. It's a different word, but it has a different meaning. And 1 John 4.18 captures that. Um, we need to have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us. It shows that we're not fully convinced that he really loves us. So I think to me, the great fear, when I fear God, I fear not what he might do to me, but I fear what I might do to him. To rob him of his glory, to belittle him, to, to lessen his glory, his goodness. So I try to work through through fear in my in my search for to knowing Him, uh, waiting on God. Uh, I remember visiting my brother's house out in Seattle about thirty years ago. We we're out there when we dropped off our uh, daughter for school, and he said, "Would you like to look at our mother's Bible?" So my mother had passed away when I was about fourteen, and I knew that she had a Bible that she wrote in a lot. Uh, she was a good student of the Bible. It had never seen it since that time, but it had been given to my brother. The older the older brother kind of gets everything, you know. The middle brother, as a matter of fact, we found my baby book uh, after my folks had gone. My brother's baby book had all kinds of pictures and things yeah. in it. My baby book had no pictures of me. It had one picture of my brother in it. <laughs> <laughs> one picture of my brother. And three nurses that came to call. Three nurses that came to call in the hospital. Not a picture of me, not anything about me. Um, I didn't know I was that bad looking. Uh, so, uh, rings a bell. Rings a bell, right, 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 right. Yeah, that's true. But you've improved. Pardon? You've improved. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, my brother had that Bible, and I picked it up, and I remember looking through Psalm 37. 
and uh, in that in that section of the, the side of the Bible that was written, whatever is not of God that excites our fears or stirs our efforts or awakens our hopes or makes us glad hinders us in our perfect waiting on God. I thought, boy, that's powerful. So most days when I when I go through these, I say that Lord, is there something that that it, that I'm waiting on that uh, fulfills that category? Whatever you know, that excites our fears, is something exciting my fear that's not of you? Exciting my fear stirs my effort. Lord, is my effort stirred in some way that's not of you? Something making me glad that's not of you. So it really helps me focus on waiting on God. Isaiah forty thirty one. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Remember hearing Cliff Barrows, who used to work with Billy Graham, describe what this mounting up with wings looks like. The, the eagle sets his wings like this so that when the winds are against him, he just mounts higher and higher. So that the winds of adversity in your life as you wait on him simply draw you closer to God. Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. We often think of waiting as waiting to get an answer, but it's deeper than that. It's waiting, really, to know God. It's waiting to deepen our knowledge of God. More than that, it is waiting to be transformed into His likeness. So that's what we're waiting on—to be transformed into His likeness. That's God's purpose. And it's an active process. It's a process of attentive and responsive. It's like a waiter. You go to a restaurant, a good waiter has his eyes on you, her eyes on you. If you drop your fork, they're going to be responsive. They're going to bring a new fork. So the attentiveness, as our eyes are on the Lord, and the responsiveness to how he's leading us is a part of our waiting with him. And then walking with God. And I think to me there's walking with God has several aspects. We walk by faith, not by sight. Um, And I think walking by faith, we need to understand that it's not the amount of our faith, it's what we put our faith in. Uh, Years ago, I took my wife to Royal Gorge. And you know, they built a bridge across there now. And where you can walk across that, my wife was terrified. I mean, that bridge, you could hold a tank could hold a tank and I had to almost coax or push her across the bridge but she made it across the bridge the same week we did that there was a man called Evil Knievel Evil Knievel had a motorcycle and he was pretty sure he had, he had great faith in his motorcycle he get across the Snake River up in uh, Idaho well his great faith in his motorcycle didn't prove out so well but, but Beverly's little bitty Teensy faith in that bridge worked well. And it's always an encouragement to me that it doesn't matter how much faith I have, as long as I use that faith to put that in the right location. The second thing that it talks about is is a walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Ephesians 4 is a, I just love that uh, chapter because it talks about walking. Walking is a two step process. We put off, we put on. Uh, deny yourself, take up the cross. We stop this, we start that. And all through that book, it talks about the process of change. 
talks about, I think it's in uh, Ephesians 4.28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands then which is good, that he may give to him that needeth. So the question is, when is a thief not a thief? When he stops stealing? No, he's simply an unemployed thief. He's a, not a thief when he works with his hands to give to someone else. So I think, uh, to me, the verse following that is that I do not use unwholesome talk, but use it to build one another up. <clears throat> so if I have a problem with someone that I am discouraged about or I want to speak badly about, I need to encourage them to build them up. That's how to replace that. And then the idea of walking with Christ, uh, yoked with Christ. When you're yoked with Him, I have the idea, the thought that He is right here. We share the same yoke. And I can participate in His pardon, His peace. I am one with His power, with His purity, uh, one with his purpose, his presence. I am yoked with him. And so I have full advantage of all that he is. And lastly, I like the comment uh, in walking about Enoch. Walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch and God used to go for a lot of walks. And uh, as the story goes, uh, they just walked further and further one day. And, and, and uh, God looked at Enoch and said, it's getting late. Enoch says, we've walked a long time today. He says, you're closer to my house than we are to yours. Why don't you come home and live with me? And so I think our walk with God leads us closer to his house every day. Listening to God. We've looked at like Luke 24, 32, where they said, uh, we're not our hearts burning within us while we listen to him. Listening is not something we typically have time to do. Uh, some some people say that we do not that God does not speak to us the way He spoke to Abraham. But the problem is really that we do not listen the way that Abraham listened. We do not take time to listen. First Corinthians two nine through ten says that eye is not seen, ear is not heard, a mind is not conceived. What God has in mind for those who love Him. But God has given that to us by the Spirit. It says the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So it said it's kind of like this: the Spirit has a search engine, and he Google's God. He Google's God to find out all of these things that we should know, and then gives them to us through our Spirit, so that we we see what we cannot see, hear what we cannot hear, can see what we cannot see, because the Holy Spirit gives us the impressions of God to our mind and speaks to us. The last one is resting on God. Psalm 62.1 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My soul finds rest in God alone. How, how tendency, our tendency is to find rest in God's provisions. Uh, now, secondly, we tend to find rest in God's promises but sometimes we misinterpret those. But what God is saying is that we should find rest in His person, in His character, who He is. Because if we want to find rest in the provisions, we'll never find it. They'll constantly be changing. Circumstance will be constantly changing. We really, truly only have rest when we rest in His character and who He is. And the last two verses says, One thing God has spoken, and two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, our God, are loving. 
We know that we can trust in His ability uh, and in His love and care for us. We must seek our rest not primarily in God's provisions or His promises, but ultimately in the very character and person of God. I know you won't want to miss our third and final podcast with Dr. Spann as he helps us know God better through a personal study and application of the names of God. Next time, right here on Making Disciples Naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.